out and get coffee and we go to the restroom and all that kind of stuff and we say hello to each other and, and, and then we get into the message. Today we have what we're calling a family meeting right after the service at 1130. We're shortening our service to 1130 so we can have that family meeting for like 30 minutes. And if you're a member or if you consider this church to be your church and you, you want to be a part of what we're talking about, you're more than welcome to stay. Uh, you're more than welcome to be here. But we're going to take our break after the sermon. Everybody got it? Say okay. This means yes. This means no. Okay, cool. So we're starting a new series today called Stories. Say Stories. Anybody got a good story they want to share? I'll go first. Uh, we're going to be talking today about what to do in the gaps. And uh, just really quick before we get into it, anybody know what next Sunday is? Mother's Day. Don't blow it. Don't mess it up. You make all the mothers in your world feel so special next week. You, you've got a gap of a week to figure that out. Get on Amazon today. Don't wait till Friday. Do, do your due diligence. But the decisions we make today determine the stories we tell tomorrow. And today we're going to talk about dealing with gaps. And what do I mean dealing with gaps? Well, maybe you're like me and when you're driving... Sometimes when you come to a stoplight, you notice the car in front of you, there is like a mile and a half before the line where they're supposed to stop. And you're like, would you just pull up and fill in the gap right there? Some of y'all don't have this issue, but some of you have this issue in Walmart. When, okay, when you're in line at checkout and there's this wide gap between you and the little conveyor belt thingy, or you... And all of the little self-checkout things. Or maybe you're at the pharmacy and they make you stand at this imaginary line before you approach. And somebody is like so far away from the line and the, the line's backing. Well, there's this gap. Or even more people will understand this one. You call out to your children. And you ask them to come here. Come hither, my child. Or you just need to talk to them and you call out their name. Cletus, or whatever your kid's name is, and there's no answer. Any parent experienced that before? You call out to your children, and there's no answer? Never. No, never. Okay. Okay. There's a gap. And how many, what do we do when there's a gap and the kids don't answer? We just get louder. We get louder. Right? Cletus! We yell. We just keep getting louder and louder. And suddenly they go, what? And you go, don't yell at me. <laughs> what about when there are life gaps? What do I mean? What about when you know that God has a partner for you in life? You know that you're the type of person, like, you know you want to be married, but you're not married. And there's this gap. What about when you prayed for something and it hasn't happened? When you prayed for healing for that loved one and there's this gap. It just hasn't happened. What about those moments when there's unforgiveness in our families and you know that it's God's will. You know that it's God's will for us to live in harmony as much as we can. But there's been an offense, and it just ain't right. See, 
often there is a huge gap between what we see and what we heard God say. A promise that we heard him say. The, the, we, we pray in church and we prayed this morning and we shared communion about how Jesus took stripes on his back for healing. And we hear these things, but we know that the illness is still causing bad effects. Several of my friends are still in radiation. Getting that cancer out of their body. Working so hard. And there's this great tension between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth, or the place called earth, the creation, where everything in heaven has been made whole, and everything in, 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 in the next life, in heaven, where the kingdom of God rights the wrongs and brings justice to the earth, and then we hear late on a Saturday night about another mass shooting in a Texas mall. And we pray, oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Heal our nation. Heal our hearts. Heal what's going on. You promise no more death and no more sorrow. But here we are in the middle of it, suffering and sorrowing again. And can I just tell you that as a follower of Jesus, this gap from where I stand on the word of God. And here's the other thing. I have seen healings happen in the here and now. I have seen Pastors who couldn't walk or talk or move are now living at home with their family because of, the, because of the prayers and the faithfulness of God. I have seen miracles happen on this earth. But I also feel the tension when I sit in the homes of the people in this church that there's a promise from God And it hasn't happened yet. And the enemy, the devil, will work hard to fill that gap with lots of things for you. The enemy will work hard to have that gap filled with fear or with doubt or frustration or insecurity or your weaknesses or excuses. The enemy of our soul will have us feel Like we are we're just banging our heads against the wall with this whole Christian thing. That it's just some deity in the sky that was made up because if he was real, things would be different in this gap. The enemy has a job description. It has three main goals. Steal, kill, and destroy. In the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundant. That's not just a promise for the end of life as we transition from this life to the next, although it is a promise that death is not death if we serve the God of resurrection. But it's this promise that we can experience the kingdom of God in this life. The abundant life. And when he says abundant life, he, that is a word that is comically more than what is needed. It's like filling up the gas tank and then just letting it overflow. And he says to us, I promised this. But my question, 
what do we do with the gap? Does anybody feel like you're living in a gap today between what God said and what you see? Ha- Come on, just raise your hand. Any, anybody feel like you're living in a gap today? Yeah. yeah there's several of us. Our text for today, we're going to take a look at King David's life out of the Old Testament or the First Testament. We're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. Because David was anointed by God to be king. God said, you will be king. And then he experienced a gap until it actually happened. Fifteen years was the gap. And the prophet Samuel came to Jesse's home. Jesse was David's dad. To anoint the new king. Here's, here's how scripture reads out of 1 Samuel. Chapter 16, starting in verse 10. In the same way, all of seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats, or sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome, with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. It must have been the eyes. Anoint that one. Verse 13. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And in, in, in the Hebrew culture and in this custom, the anointing had something to do like this. He would pour the oil over him. Kind of like the ice bucket challenge from like eight years ago or whatever it was. Remember when everyone was just like dumping ice buckets over their heads? No? Okay. Anyway, he, he would he'd dump it and it would fall down and it would go through his face and all down his clothes. I mean, it was a messy thing, but it was the anointing of God. He would pour it out. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And Samuel returned to Ramah. And then 15 years later, and in a completely different book of the Bible, we have these words in chapter 2, verse 4 of 2 Samuel. Then the men of Judah came to David and anointed him king over the people of Judah. When David heard that the men of Jabesh Gilead had buried Saul. 15 years later, he's anointed by God in this personal, intimate ceremony. And years later, the people of Israel confirmed that anointing. Two verses of scripture, but there's this huge gap. 15, maybe 18 years. And that's the gap where David lived. And what happens to a person when they're living in the gap? It's almost like if you ever walk around a graveyard or a cemetery, and you look on the tombstones, and there's always, a, or most of the time, a date of birth and a date of death. And what's in between the two years? A dash. A lot happened to that person in the dash. All of life happens in the dash. What happened in the dash for David? Did he just sit at home and wait and just twiddle his thumbs? Did he go back to work? Did he go back out and keep the sheep and the goats? What happened from the anointing to the actual coronation? What happened in those 15 years of David's life? I'm glad you asked. Here's what happened right here. That's all the stuff that happened. 
I don't know if you can read all that. He was a musician for the king. He was an armor bearer for the king. He killed Goliath. That was a big one, by the way. Like, that huge deal right there when he killed Goliath. Uh, he became friends with Jonathan, the king's son. He went to live with the prophet Samuel. He went to live with the prophet Samuel. He evaded capture three more times. He destroys the Amalekites. He and his army protect a town and kills an enemy of Philistines. He fights with Goliath's sword. He's the reason over 80 priests and their families are slaughtered by Saul, the current king. He's the reason that 80 priests and their families are killed. He's rejected by those same Philistines. He orders the death of the guy that kills Saul. He writes a eulogy song for Saul and Jonathan. After all of this stuff in 15 years, then he is anointed king. That's a jam-packed 15 years of stuff, y'all. Can I tell you something? From the moment where you receive the promise or the anointing, the moment from when you feel or hear God say something to the moment where it actually starts happening, where it's confirmed by the people, where it's confirmed by the people of God, where you start walking in it and living in it, that gap is crucially important. What you do when you don't know how it's going to happen, when you don't know how you're going to get by. And if you miss how David lived between the moment of anointing to the moment of coronation, you miss out on some of the best parts of the entire story. You miss out on Goliath. Most, most folks know David because of David and Goliath. And the second thing most folks know about David is when he's king, how he used his power in evil ways. take a woman into his bed and kill her husband what happens in the gap is crucial and you can fill that gap with trust or suspicion will you say that with me you can fill that gap with trust or suspicion you can trust that God is true and he will do what he said or you can fill that gap with suspicion and say I don't know. we got to wait this out. I don't know if I can trust this God. I, he may be a liar. When bad things happen to good people, it's because God might be a mean kid up in the clouds with a magnifying glass just burning everybody down with his infinite power. Because if he existed, he would not allow this to happen. And it is the easiest thing in the world to fill that gap with suspicion. Because when we fill it with suspicion, it relieves us of the hard work of spiritual formation. What happened in David's life from anointing to coronation was formation. God formed him into the king through all of those happenings. He didn't arrive at the moment of coronation without the process of development. And what is going on in your life in the gap from the diagnosis to the result, from the promise to the fulfillment? What is happening in this gap is formation. But we don't like formation. We don't like going to the gym and counting calories. We don't like the disciplines and the things that are required 
of us in formation. If David had filled that gap with suspicion, opposite of trust in God and the anointing, that means he doesn't have to fight Goliath. If he would have filled that gap with suspicion, it means he doesn't have to go through the process of becoming king. You know what happened later on in this process? Saul the king put a hit out on David, and David ran from Saul with an army for years. To fill that gap with trust, it takes time, energy, and determination. So two quick points. What are you going to do? How are you going to fill the gap? If I'm going to fill a gap with trust, first thing, I must keep moving forward with life. Will you say that with me? Keep, keep moving forward? Keep moving forward. David did not sit at home and, and, and just wait and exist until it happened. He did stuff. When we stand still and we don't move forward with life, we have stopped living. And did you know God created you to live? That's such a simple truth. But I don't, I'm not really sure that the Pentecostal crowd has grabbed onto it. God created you to live. And when we stop living, when we stop moving, everything gets like tighter. Our joints start like shutting, like, like closing off. It starts hurting to stand up. We start, some of you are like, oh, I feel that, brother. <laughs> when we stop moving, our muscles start atrophying. There are actually, uh, in, in hospitals with folks who can't get out of the bed, there are actually these devices that they put on their legs and on their muscles to keep the blood flowing, to keep movement happening. Because when we slow down and when we stop moving, everything shuts down. And we stop. Standing still and stopping preaches a gospel that says this. We believe that the best days of life are in the past. When you stop moving, you have declared it's over. Nothing else is coming. It's kind of like chips and salsa. Who likes chips and salsa? Let me see your hand. Testify. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Some of you are like, no, don't like them. You're wrong. Fantastic. They're the best. I always ask for hotter salsa because they make hotter salsa. But you know where my favorite place to get chips and salsa are? You know, all the Mexican restaurants, they serve chips and salsa before your meal. It's a beautiful thing. Cantina 73 in Mount Pleasant. Oh, you've heard. What do they serve with your chips? Cheese. Queso. Some of y'all didn't know this, and you're like, I'm going there for lunch. You don't have to pay for it either. They bring it, like, all, they bring it out to the table. Here's your chips. Here's your salsa. Here is your queso. Glory to Jesus. I love me some chips and queso. I can make a meal out of chips and salsa. But you know what? The menu has much better things on it than just the chips and salsa. On the menu... There are fajitas. On the menu, there's chori pollo. On the menu, you can get street tacos. 
where they put the Sasaka cheese on it. That's just so good. On the menu, anybody had Berea lately? Oh, glory to Jesus. Anybody ever had this happen? You feast on the chips and salsa so much that by the time your meal gets there, you can't, you're full and you can't eat? How disappointing is that? The thing that was free, you just filled up on, and now you're paying for something you're not even eating till later on tonight. Or in an hour, in some of our cases. When the main course shows up, I can't eat it because I'm full of all the stuff at the beginning. Now, now, does that mean that we should take away the chips and salsa? No. No. Does that mean that at the steakhouses where they served the great bread before, that they should stop serving the bread? No. You should still ask for more hush puppies or whatever if they'll bring them. But friends, can I tell you something? Some of us are settling for an appetizer life where we're just willing to eat We're just willing to participate in some of the first things. And we fill up and we fill up and we fill up. And we say, God anointed me. And I love that worship service that Samuel did where he poured the oil and all that. I love that. I'm just going to stay right here. Fight Goliath? No. Let's have a photo memory service where we remember how the oil fell. Let's stay right here. And some of us are doing this with our life. We're living a chips and salsa kind of life when the beauty of God wants to show us ribeyes. Reverse seared. Where the glory of God wants to take us on to dessert. Any dessert fans in the house? We keep, there are some of us who keep staying still with an appetizer life and we're missing out on the full promises of God. Because some of us, man, we've just stopped living. We have settled to stay in that crippling debt for the rest of our lives and never discipline ourselves to move forward out of it. There's some of us who have settled with unforgiveness, and we have stopped in life. And we will never discover the abundant life promises that God has for us because we can't get past chips and unforgiveness. We've settled with a giant, Goliath, threatening us, demoralizing us, and we just sit there because the courage of David has not been welled up from within. And God isn't finished with you, and he isn't ignoring you. If you're not dead, God is not done with you. Keep moving forward with your life. Keep moving forward and press in through the gaps of life. I promise you, God will show you what to do. And it usually looks like obeying something that he gives to you. It usually looks like obedience. So if the first step is to not stop moving, then the second step, lastly, to fill this gap, I must radically obey. Can you say that with me? Radically obey. God comes to David and says, hey, David, kill Goliath and then run from this insane, jealous king for years. He's going to try and kill you at least a half a dozen times. David goes, okay, but what does that second part have to do with being made king? Shouldn't I just kill the king first? And God says, touch not my anointed. David said, but you anointed me, remember? This is confusing. I mean, he anointed me and he's anointed. You know, David never tried to murder Saul. Never. Read the 15 or so chapters after he was anointed. 
He never dishonored Saul. He continually sought to obey the Lord. He did his best at everything he did. That is a life of obedience. Man, some of us can't go a day with, without just like at least dropping some kind of elbow on somebody on social media. You get cut off in traffic and you want to blast to the world how evil this person was. It was probably me, by the way. And you're okay with blasting me. I get it. Obedience is easier. Listen to this. Obedience is easier when we can see the connection between how we've been, how, what we've been asked to do directly affects the desired outcome. Obedience is so much easier when you look back on it and you understand why the obedience was there. It's so much easier to look at David's life as a biography and see, oh, well, with the Goliath thing, he was teaching him faith, and he was teaching him this, and he was teaching him, oh, and with this, he was teaching him humility. and Like the understanding, like hindsight is so 2020. But do you know that when David was walking toward Goliath, he didn't know the end of the story yet? He didn't know it. He just believed in his God, and he obeyed his God. I heard uh, Pastor Choco, who is our general treasurer for the Assemblies of God this week, he said this, these are powerful words, not in your notes, totally worth writing down. He said this, understanding can wait, but obedience cannot. Some of y'all need to write that down. I know I did. Obedience can wait. No. What can wait? Understanding can wait. Obedience cannot. Most breakthroughs happen. And when they happen, they're not just an act of God in a moment. But they're, an, they're what happens when we trust God with, obedient, with repeated obedience. What is it that God has done for you? If you're still alive, there's obedience in front of you. And it's the key to moving through those gaps in life. I want to pray over you before we close and we transition to this family meeting. Would you stand with me? Some of you identified really quickly with, with standing right here in front of a gap in your life. I want to pray for you. Because what I believe is I believe that the Spirit of God is working in you. And there's a step of obedience that you are going to take that, man, you need to take because you've got to keep moving forward. You can't just stay still. You can't just cut it off. So with, 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 with arms, like, reach toward heaven, if you're like, God, whatever that step of obedience is, I want to do it. I want to be faithful to you. I, want to, I not only want to hear what you have to say, I not only want to take that promise that you've given me and, 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 rely, and, and rely on that you are who you say you are. I, I want to move forward with that, God. So all over this place, if you're like, God, what, whatever that step is, show it to me and I'll do it. Just in a moment of commitment before the Lord, just say, I'm in. Amen, God. Whatever that step is, I'm going to keep moving forward. And there's some of us here today, still with our hands raised to God, with, with
with our eyes closed, there's some of us still here today, and we're like, you know what, that big step, that big thing about following Jesus, that's something I need to make things right with Jesus today. Everybody's got their hands up anyway, so if that's you, just kind of wave at me and say, hey, yeah, pray for me. Pray for me. Gotcha. Yeah, yes, ma'am. Who else? I see you. Yes, sir. I see you back there. That's four people. Who else? Gosh, I need to make things right with him. How about on this side over here? My, my right, my left, your right. I see you. I see you. Who else to join these? Anybody else? I need to make things right with Jesus. I got you, man. Anybody else? We're going to pray. I see you. I see you. Hey, would you join me in praying this prayer out loud, full-throated, with confidence? Dear Jesus, you died for me. I live for you. I follow you. I declare you are Lord. You rose from the dead. You did everything. I lay my life down. It's yours, Jesus. Help me to follow you. To obey you. To serve you. I want to discover your abundant life. I love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, can we give it up for those eight people that decided to follow Jesus? Yeah. That's great stuff, y'all.